Thanks for listening to the Stimulate Run podcast. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. If you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions, please make contact via email or slide into DMs on any of the social channels. Here's your host, Erwin, with this episode's guest. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Stimulate Run podcast. Um, I put a bit of a teaser out this morning on the next guest for this episode, and I said he might look a bit familiar, but welcome to the podcast, Pete Mann. Welcome, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I dare say we're the, probably the first two Sacred Heart All Boys who have been in a podcast together, so we can uh, take that mantle. I don't think there's anything else floating around at the moment, so um, that's one award that we've won and will hold close to our hearts forever, so... Um, I actually, I was in Pete's brother's year group at school. So we were boarders together, um, Stephen. So we kind of, yeah, I know you through him, but not directly. So um, as soon as, yeah, I've seen you've been doing a bit of running, I thought it'd be great to have you on and just get to know what you've been doing. So for the listeners who, well, they think they know you, do you want to give them a of a background as to who you are and a full-blown intro as to what you what you get up to oh a full-blown intro radio <laughs> um well i guess i'll start at the beginning I, I grew up in a small country town um streaky bay over the west coast of, of south australia um so grew up there playing a lot of sports um the town's renowned for for world-class surfing and world-class fishing but i just played sports i was big into my afl footy and um, that's probably a lot of the reason um, I left Streaky Bay to go to Sacred Heart to become a boarder, um, to pursue the football a little bit more and also to um, further my study um, uh, to become a school teacher. So that, that led me to Adelaide and, and um, yeah, the whole Sacred Heart thing there, finished school and, and then worked as a school teacher while, while playing footy. Um, I think... Uh, the last year or so has been really big for me in terms of people knowing me or knowing my face at least and who I am. But that was just something, the, the, obviously the Bachelorette was something that just came up as a, I guess 2020 for me was a year of just saying yes to anything and, and everything. So any opportunity that came my way, whether it was personal business or otherwise, I just decided to say yes to. Um, and the Bachelorette was one of those things I was, I was asked whether I wanted to go on the show and to be honest it was something I never thought I would do I I watched those shows in the past and thought most of the people on there are idiots and then sure enough decided to say yes and and become one of those idiots but um yeah I think it's it's an experience that I enjoy um digressing a little bit I I I was a yeah like I said I I trained to become a school teacher and, and was a school teacher for or close to 10 years but probably the last um, three or four years of that teaching, I was um, working in the background to, to create my own business, which is a coffee company named Octane. Um, so, yeah, I guess running did help me form a lot of the planning for that business. Um, having time uh, by yourself um, running was a lot of the preparation for, for the business, I suppose. So I'm not sure if that gives you a bit of a recap of who I am and what I get up to, but essentially I spend my time now um, working um, in coffee shops, running where I can, and um, and that's about it, mate. Yeah. Not a half-decent footballer either. I think you're downplaying it a bit. So you're the first 18 captain 
and you uh, played a bit of SNFL as well. Um, was the ambition to go to the the top level? Um, and I suppose, well, how close do you think you got um, to that in the end? Um, it's, a, it's a tricky one now. Looking yeah. back, I'm 35 and haven't played footy for um, probably seven or eight years. Um, I, I think I was lucky growing up in that I was good at football. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And I played it because I was good at it. Yeah. Um, and then got to the stage where, um, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I was in the draft camp and trained with the power for a while and, and had a few other clubs sort of interested when I was 18, 19 years old. And that was, yeah, a, a dream at that stage, I think more so because I was just good at it, not necessarily it was a driving a driving thing. And then um, there was a few weaknesses in my, in my game, absolutely. Uh, the way I kicked the ball wasn't up to that very, very elite standard. Um, and when it came to the crunch, I probably just didn't put in the work because I didn't really care that much to make it all the way. Yeah. Um, so I didn't put in the time to improve that skill and, and it kind of fell by the wayside and, and everything. So, um, you know, yeah, I was good at it, but I think I was just naturally good at it. Um, and luckily in that way, it made, you know, friendship groups and everything like that really, really easy in school because you had a, a group of people with a similar interest and made that journey a lot easier for a kid from the country who did, really didn't know anyone. So uh, I'm, you know, grateful for that. Um, but yeah, football wasn't something that I was the be all and end all. And when I decided to, to give away the SANFL stuff and go play uh, in the country with a couple of mates, that was probably the most fun I had. It was just, just doing it socially. Yeah. And it sounds like if you almost threw the kitchen sink at it, you might have got to a point where you didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, and that's why you started playing and it might have become almost this job. Would you see a lot of footballers now? They hate football because it's yep. turned into the job and they never watch football. They don't want to go near outside of those four walls and on game day. True. Too true. And so business. So you've gone from being a teacher, which, you know, a lot and I also believe is a calling. Um, but then you've also obviously had this passion to go into business and there must be a drive there. Why the coffee business? Um, and then also to step away from teaching altogether. Um, yeah, teaching was a job that, um, it was a job I identified probably in year 10, year 11 at school as a job I could do. Um, so I just pursued that path. Um, there was nothing else that really jumped out in terms of what I wanted to do or I could see myself doing when I was you know, 17 years old. So that was something that I was like, yep, I can do that job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down that path. Um, and loved it. I really enjoyed the process of um, teaching kids little bits of something and then watching them piece it together. I really enjoyed that process. Um, and then sort of fast forwarding a bit, I did a, a lot of, you know, study while I was at school, you know, in, in educational leadership and careers counselling. And I was just trying to find my way through. I was a geography teacher by trade, so I, I enjoyed that subject area. Um, but I kind of got to a part where I was a little bit stale with teaching and um, was doing a lot of work with um, with kids, um, different states, it's called different things, but it's workplace practices in South Australia. It's the kids that, that do trades, you know, the, the carpenters or the electricians or the hair and makeup artists. Um, and I would see them bust their ass off at schools um, to get C's, you know, and just pass and perhaps the school system not recognising that in the same way that their, their highest achievers do. 
Um, And that started to grind my gears a little bit because you'd see kids that um, uh, were looking at themselves in not the best way and and getting a bit down on themselves. And really, they should have been super proud with the effort they were putting in and the results they were getting. Um, So that sort of scale of judgment started to irk me a little bit. Um, And then the coffee thing came about um, when I just started to learn a little bit more, um, more about how you could manipulate flavours and and profiles within coffee and change the experience. Um, and also how there are lots of little steps involved in making a cup of coffee make someone happy. So there's so many different things involved in, in making a cup of coffee, but if you make it well, you give it to that customer, they have a good day. And it, and I, you know, I remember the good cups of coffee I've had throughout my life and that, that that's a pretty cool thing. So I thought, oh geez, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, so I investigated you know, how could I trans um, transform or transfer from teaching into the coffee business? And, you know, and I looked at it, well, I couldn't be a barista for $25 an hour for the rest of my life. You know, I've got a house and, and those type of things. So it was, all right, how do I create a company? Um, how do I make something that is scalable was really important to me as well. Um, because I know a lot of cafes will open up on the perfect little corner street and they do their own thing. Um, but if something opens over the road or something out of their control that can kill their business in that location. Um, so I started to learn more about coffee roasting because I knew that was a scalable product, which I could move elsewhere and sell in different locations. So um, I went from full-time teaching one year to a little bit part-time and working in a coffee shop. And then the year after I went a little bit more part-time working in a couple of different coffee shops. Then the year after that, I went, um, a little bit more time, but working in a coffee company. So learning how to roast coffee and that kind of thing. Then I took a four years leave without pay from teaching um, and worked full time at the coffee company and started to actually distribute my own beans under Octane. Yeah. Um, and then went, yeah, four years, I asked for another four years leave without pay. And the boss said, mate, you're, you're kidding yourself. You either come back and be a teacher or, or make that jump and, and be you know, a small business owner. Um, and that's when the opportunities with, with the retail space actually opened up with uh, the cafe in Kent Town. So, so that transition took a little while and I did some small business school in there as well just to make sure I was making the right decision. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a process that was, was planned and thought out and I wanted to make sure that I, it, it made sense to, to make that jump. It sounds though that you're very calculated but also driven. So you know, you could have easily just sat there with this idea of it being a hobby. Um, but, you know, grind away for 30, 40 years as a teacher and get to the end, retire and go, oh, I've got this hobby where I've got an interesting coffee and business. But you've gone, no, well, that's what I actually want to do. And I'm going to just go for it. Because majority of people would have just gone, like you said, it's so fickle where across the road, another place could open your, you know, this dream basically closes in the front of your eyes. Um, and it's also you're not uh, owning a business sounds marvelous doesn't it and uh, but there's a lot that goes on where you've got to be working in it 24 7 Um, so yeah but basically coming back to it you are very sounds very driven Um, and once you put your mind to something you're going to go in 100 percent. yeah yeah true yeah and I just like to think through everything and make sure it makes sense in my mind just before especially and you know you only you only live once and I can always go back and be a teacher. I'm not, I'm not afraid to fail. Like if something doesn't go to plan, that's, that's okay. It's a, 
oh, I don't know where I heard this the other day and it just popped into my head. It's like, there's no, there's no failures in life. There's just learning experiences. So I, I strongly believe in that it's, you're not failing. It's just an opportunity for learning and, and moving forward. So I always thought, you know, if this business doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. I can go back and be a teacher or I can do something else. It's, um, yeah, there's, there's not that fear of failure in me. Do you think it's also a bit of a, an advice point for, say, kids um, where you're shown that you've got something to fall back on? Because if you had nothing to fall back on here and you were throwing the kitchen sink at it, you know, if it fails tomorrow or in two years, five years, you've still got no backstop, whereas now you do. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that that peace of mind, knowing that there's something else there in case is makes it a lot easier to take those risks. Yep. Yep. Uh, a bit of running, mate. So where did the uh, where did this interest all start? Um, and then we'll talk about what you've just done uh, once you let us know where it all started. Yeah, yeah, cool, mate. Um, I think, well, running started for me probably when I finished playing football. Um, I did the typical football thing and had a couple of knee reconstructions and couldn't perform to the same level and was a little bit frustrated by it all. That was probably 2013 um, and then decided, you know, I've got to keep fit and healthy some way. Um, I love to go surfing and all that, but the waves aren't always that good in Adelaide. So um, living down the beach, beautiful bike path along the front. So I, I got into running and sort of made that decision to to run a marathon and tick off that that bucket list item um, and just threw myself into it. I think um, I, I do like numbers and I do like data a little bit. And it was right when um, I think Runkeeper had just launched their, you know, free app on their phone. So it was very accessible and downloaded a marathon plan from there and just threw myself into it. And looking back now, I was very lucky not, not to get injured the way I was training and the runs I was going on was, very lucky not to get injured. Um, so yeah, threw myself into into a marathon, which was um, I think the Barossa Marathon in 2013 or 14. And actually, I don't know how most people go on their first marathon, but I went out way, way, way too fast. Um, got to like halfway, 30, 30 odd Ks and, and was just pretty, pretty knackered. Um, but was lucky to have, you know, one of the, the timer marker runners sort of picked me up towards the end and, and get me across the line, which was really lovely. Um, and then after then, I actually swore I was never going to run again because I really hated that last <laughs> 5K or so. Um, you really hate yourself a lot. Why have I done this? Um, but yeah, then took a little bit of break from running and just surfed for a while and then then got back into it properly and and started to, you know, really slow down, started to enjoy it. Um, was listening to a lot of podcasts um, at the same time. I was also planning planning Octane. So running me there was a time to be able to just take some time out from my day and and just think about things while I was running. I was listening to a lot of business podcasts um, and that was like in a little bit of an escape. It was, it was time on your feet, building up. Um, uh, I did a, another couple more marathons after that and decided somewhere along the line sort of four years ago that I wanted to run 100Ks. Um, it was just a a bit of a milestone tick off that I was like, Oh, that's a nice, a nice goal because it wasn't necessarily about time. It's just about finishing that, that hundred case. It's a different challenge. Um, so yeah, that idea was concocted probably four years ago. And then 
the start of last year, there was some really horrific fires everywhere around Australia, but in particularly in Adelaide, in the Adelaide Hills and Kangaroo Island. And um, I've got a lot of sort of small business friends that are up there in the wine industry. And they were just telling me some of their stories about what they'd lost. And um, I was at a fundraising event and I just saw a video from a guy named Dave Bowley, who owns Vinterlope Wines here in the Adelaide Hills. And it just really hit my heartstrings. And I was like, how, how else can I support um, fundraising? Um, and then I just pieced the two ideas together. I was like, oh, there's that 100K run that I haven't done. There's an, a fundraising thing and let's, let's piece it together. Um, that was the start of 20, uh, 2020. Yep, and I was like, all right, well, how do I um, go about this? And I was going to enter some events, but they were all cancelled for the year with yep. COVID things. So someone said, mate, create your own course and just run up around and that'll be fine. So I thought, yep, let's, let's do that. Um, and then it sort of culminated in in last week, I suppose, last 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 Friday. So um, there was a few obstacles in the road there. I went on a little show called The Bachelorette, which broke up my training for a couple of months. Um, yeah, there was a... And I guess it was just a good day just to tick that off last Friday, mate. And how did you... So really educating yourself on 100K because you'd done a marathon. You, you, knew, what, you knew what was going to come. Um, so like you yep. said, you know, that 5Ks to go or even along the way, you know where it could hurt yourself. In 100K, yep. so much can happen. You know, you could get to 30Ks and feel like junk. But did you reach out to people that possibly had done 100Ks um, or did you just really go about it all yourself? Yeah, no, I, I reached out straight away. Um, even um, the decision to run... To, to, to lock it in um, was probably nudged forward by a young young fellow and uh, Josh Lanot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done some ultra marathon stuff and just a young guy who was actually hanging around the cafe quite a bit. Um, and I just hit him up straight away. I think he he's won the the Bali Hope across across Bali the eighty four that eighty four k event. So I reached out to him and said, "Mate, I'm going to do a hundred k's. Who who would you recommend as you know feet?" coaching, nutrition, physio, all of that stuff. Um, and he directed me to a few people. Um, most importantly was probably David Turnbull um, at Perform Best. Um, I just reached out to DT and said, mate, I'm going to do 100Ks. We had a bit of a chat about you know some of my history in terms of uh, activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, mate, if you, I'm pretty good at following a program. If you give me a program and keep me accountable, I'll, I'll get that done. So he was fantastic in terms of just giving me a weekly program, something that I could manage around work um, and keep on top of me as well. So that was the big in terms of the, the coaching side of things. Um, Physio Smart here in Adelaide were, were fantastic. They jumped on board and, and used me as a bit of a case study for an everyday person just jumping in and doing some ultra marathon stuff. Um, yeah, the nutrition wasn't the best, but we, we got it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. so I definitely reached out to people straight away because there was no way you could, I don't think, um, just jump straight in without without educating yourself a little bit. And what have your biggest, biggest from from running as a whole, but then also what were your biggest learnings from this, even about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm big on... Um, you know, if you think or believe something, you can do it. I'm really big on that. Um, and if you honestly believe that and you sort of, you, you tell yourself that you are going to do something, 
over and over again, you will, you will get it done. So that was always in my mind that I was going to run a hundred kilometers. So I never, never really had any doubt that that was going to happen, to be honest. Um, so I think that just cemented that belief that that was one of my big learnings that if you really do tell yourself, you want to do something, you, you can do it. Um, I think ultra running is so much about a crew and your support networks in place. I didn't really fully understand that until, until the day of the event, you know, I had um, my girlfriend, Rachel there in the car with an ice bucket. I had some other runners there with, with cars and bikes. And I, I had set aside different sections of my run for different people the whole way along. So I maybe only had an hour of, hour of my 14 and a half or 14, 45 hours by myself. So that was, that was really huge. So that was a big learning experience. Absolutely. And how do you think you'll bring all of that into normal life? So, you know, into your professional life and um, even your social skills, how do you think that's developed from what you've managed to achieve? Um, definitely in the work side of things, there's that, that understanding that if you do spend some time on something, you know, thoroughly that you can make it work. Um, there might be some mistakes along the way, but I think if you believe you can do something um, from a realistic point of view, you know, you, you can make it happen. Um, I, you know, I'm pretty good at, at asking for help in, in business as well. So that's probably just cemented that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know that I can stand on my feet for 14 hours and 45 minutes now, mate. So maybe I'll just keep the, the opening hour a bit longer for everyone. Yeah. Well, you've been in a worse place physically, isn't it? Like, that's one of the things I always say to myself. If it's a rough day, you sit there and go, well, physically, you've been in a worse spot than this. So it's really just about dialing in yeah. mentally. And you had to do that as well. Once you got to 10 hours, you'd have to go, geez, another four hours on my feet to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the type of things a non-runner doesn't really um, benefit from, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> but you'll probably find that even, you know, in the next six months, you might dial back and go, well, mate, you've been in a worse spot than this mentally, uh, physically. So let's just pull our pants up and get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think you're spot on there, mate. So you've had, um, yeah, like you mentioned, you had a pretty interesting here. Uh, you probably, you appear to be a private person um, and from a country town, you would have had a really quiet upbringing, I dare say. And, um, but then you well and truly took that jump and went into the public spotlight. So you're on The Bachelorette. Uh, how did you go handling that shift? Um, and then now as well, um, like I mentioned before, people thinking they know you, but they don't really um in terms of resilience and the mental side of it what do you have to put in place or how do you prepare for that yeah good one um i think i was like i said at the start of our chat i, I decided 2020 was going to be a big year of just saying yes to to anything um and that probably stems a bit from um uh what happened within our family. Yeah, obviously, you know, Steve, my, my younger brother, but I've also got another younger brother named Luke. Um, so Luke in, in 2019 had a, a random brain injury, uh, an AVM. So that was completely random and completely out of the blue. So um, he's all right now and he's, he's still recovering, but he's a, he's a different person, that's for sure. Like physically, he struggles a lot with his balance. He's had some eyesight damage and 
And that's that one sort of split second where he's, he had a bleed in his brain to change his life and everyone else's around it. So I think with that happening and having to, I guess, come to terms with all of that, I just decided to say yes, yes to everything. And, and the bachelorette opportunity was one of those. Um, and I think, um, I, I don't know, even with their, their casting, I look at the other 20 guys that were on that show as well. I think they cast people that are resilient people because you are going to be put in the spotlight um, in a situation where you as a person have been edited to look a certain way to create some hype or to create a story because that's what that show is all about. And you know that going in, you know, you know, you're signing your life away effectively to whatever story is going to happen. Um, but I am a firm believer in there's going to be every different perspective or opinion on you regardless. Um, everyone in Adelaide before I went on the show who knows me or who has met me has an individual perspective on whatever moment in time we've met, you know? So knowing that someone out there, someone doesn't like you or someone out there does like you, that's already existing. So as soon as I come to turn that and, you know, I don't, I really don't care what people think. And I think that's, um, was the same for every other person on that show. They really don't care what other people think too much and they're okay with that. So I guess letting go of that, that self-consciousness or that worrying about what other people think is, was a big part of being able to cope with whatever happens after the show. So, um, yeah, I think that was a big part of it. Not really not caring what other people think, being comfortable in your own skin and um, I guess just staying true to yourself as well. Um, you know, obviously it didn't work out for myself and Becky and that that's sad, but that's just part of the reality of the show. You know, the, the reality of the show is that, you know, we went on three or four dates and got to know each other really well. And then in the real world, it didn't work out and I knew that it wasn't going to be forever. So... Um, I decided to, to end that relationship, but I think people become so invested in the fairy tale story that they can form negative opinions of you, and that's that's okay. That's their opinion. They're entitled to that opinion. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting week or two while it was very fresh in people's minds, but I, I knew it wasn't affecting me, and, and that, that was the main thing. Um, the, the, probably the biggest concern was the impact it was having on my friends and family because they were seeing things being written and said about me which... You know, they felt like they wanted to defend me. And I guess that was part of the bit, part of the situation that I didn't expect so much. Um, and I feel a bit, you know, I just had to reassure them that, you know, I'm okay. It doesn't really matter what people are saying about me. I hope you're okay too kind of thing for, for friends and family. Yeah, no, it's good to have that support network around as well. And knowing that they know who you really are. <clears throat> because yeah. there'd be, and the thing is, you would have realized who your friends were even though you might have known, you would have really realised who you, who was in your circle. Um, and one of the questions that uh, I got asked was, did you fit any time for running in while you were on the show? Yeah, it's a good question because it was a challenging one and it's something I had to think about going, going in too. So um, I knew probably con confirmed maybe two or three weeks before sort of disappearing from the world. And you, you really do disappear. You, you're not allowed to tell. We're well, not meant to tell too many people where you're going. So um, I told my managers at work and I told my coach that I was 
going to Sydney and I, I might not be able to train um, as frequently. So if he could just write me, in theory, two months worth of training that I'll do my best to keep up with um, and then we go from there. Um, it was really hard to train in there. Um, you are in a mansion which has a backyard, but the backyard is very undulating. Um, there's three alpacas running around in it. It's very muddy, um, but I did my best. There was no treadmill, which was a bit sad, but um, I did my best. So I got um, a, few, a few half marathons done in that backyard, running around in circles. And it was kind of a 300 uh, meter loop uh, up and down and around, but it was very muddy and very horrible conditions. And I did actually kind of develop it a bit of an injury in my left knee. So that wasn't the best. I spent a lot of time on the exercise bike, but I had worn this kind of weaving path around the backyard, um, which the other, the other blokes could see from time to time. Um, filming days were long, but they didn't start generally until nine o'clock. So I could get most of my running done in the morning. And even, you know, after a cocktail party and a rose ceremony, I would get up and go for a run and, and sort of backtracking very much. So those runs were, was the time away where I got to think about what was happening in the show and in the program as well. So running is definitely a tool that you can use to, well, I use to process what's actually happening in my life. Perfect. Um, so a couple just to finish off, um, any future running goals? Yeah, well, I've only ever had two goals and the yep. first one was that 100Ks um, and that's ticked now. Um, and then I'll, I would love to go sub three hours for a marathon. That would nice. be that would be great. Um, the PV is still that first torture marathon of, <laughs> of three hours 13. So it's quite a long time ago now. But a lot of the running I was doing um, before Bachelorette was, was pretty solid. I was hitting some good paces and some good times. So I think if I get a good, a good block in, um, I should be able to, to tick off that, that three hour um, and probably... If all goes ahead, we'll, we'll try for, for Melbourne this year for that one. Nice. So there it is. Um, and this is something I'm big on too, is, is actually verbalising yep. goals with people. Hold you, like this is, I'm going to do it now. <laughs> it holds you accountable, doesn't it? Because yeah. a lot of people tend to, well, they see it as a bit of an arrogance, I think, as well, um, where you put something out yep. there or even put it on the wall to say, that's what I'm going to achieve this year. But... I think that there's nothing better than putting it out because you make it so accountable um, and anything could go wrong. Look, you know, you get sick or um, like you say, work takes over, but you know that and other people around you and your circle knows. So you're not putting it all over your Instagram and yeah. Facebook, but the five people who you train with, they will know. So they get you there and they buy into it as well. 100%. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So the last one, um, which I normally ask guests is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, advice to my younger self. Uh, with anything, mate, or with running? Or oh, anything. Give could us be, a bit of clarity. Could, what, what could would be you... work, business, um, running, social, oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, just to spend time doing things you love. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Thanks no so much. more than that. Like it doesn't, yeah, um, as soon as I decided to work in a space that I really, truly loved, um, yeah. life, life is great. Yep. So spending time doing things you love. It is the dream, isn't it? And a lot of, it's not a, 
unachievable dream. I think that's the one thing that I've realized in the last 12 months is it's not unachievable to actually live your dream if you want. You just like you said, do it um, systematically and it can, you can get there. 100%. Yeah, there's just a way to, to work it out and to, to find that that balance um, because obviously, you know, the world does need money and you do need to pay your rent and do all of those things. But I think if, if you spend a bit of time thinking it through and working out exactly how you want to spend your time, um, you'll get there 100%. Perfect. Well, Pete, thanks so much, mate, for agreeing to jump on and having a, a chat with us and getting to know you more as a person and the real you. I suppose, and uh, we'll keep you accountable for October for that three-hour three, three hour marathon. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for, for spending time, and um, yeah, I really do appreciate it. Cheers. All good. This episode of the Stimulate Run podcast is brought to you in partnership with Aqualite. Aqualite is a product which supports effective hydration through rapid absorption. It's formulated to replace electrolytes lost through sweat and is Australian-owned and operated.